I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we uh, prepare to encounter uh, another story of Jesus and the disciples this day, uh, we pray that you would help us um, settle into this time and space, that you would help quiet our hearts and minds uh, so that we might be attentive to you, to your spirit, and to the word that you have for us this day. Holy God, we so long to be faithful, even though at times uh, we can get so caught in our faithlessness. Um, attune our hearts and our spirits to you so that we might faithfully follow after your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we prepare to listen to our scripture today, we're invited to settle in with Jesus and his disciples at a pivotal moment in their time together. Let us together listen to God's word for us this day. This is the scripture taken from Matthew 16, 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the human one is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, happy are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because no human has shown this to you. Rather, my father who is in heaven has shown you. I tell you that you are Peter, and I'll build my church on this rock. The gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Anything you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven. Anything you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Christ. The word of the Lord. Amen. So uh, Bryn and I, and I didn't warn you about this child, so I apologize. But Bryn and I have this thing, this game we play in the car. You see if you can see if we could actually play it together right now. Um, where she quizzes me on my knowledge about her, right? Yeah? So sometimes the question is, what is it? What's a question you ask me a lot? Exactly. Mom, what's my favorite color? And sometimes, what's another popular one? Let's see if the top two, my top two or your top two. What's my favorite? Huh? Animal? That's the one you like to ask a lot, right? Yeah, what's my favorite animal? The tricky thing about these questions is that the answers are a bit of a moving target, am I right? Like you don't always like maintain the exact same favorite color. And like it's all, I think like the blue purple zone is a good place. It's like a good guess for mom. If we're like you're wearing purple today, right? So the blue purple zone is a good guess for mom. Um, the animals, I feel, and like even as I was writing this, I was like trying to think like, okay, what would be her top three? And I literally put... Um, I put sloth, I put sea turtle, and then I put question mark because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't decide on the top three. Is it a koala? Is it a... So what's today? What's your favorite animal today? 
you don't know. Those are good top threes, right? Sloth, Sealy Turtle, Koala in most recent history. Yeah. Um, so uh, sometimes I nail this quiz game, and then sometimes I kind of miss the mark. Is that true? Sometimes I get it right, sometimes not so much. Underneath all of these questions, though, um, I perceive a longing that is the same within all of us. It's a longing I perceive within myself, right? Do you know me? Do you see me? Do you understand me? Like we want our, the people in our lives to know us, right? And to know the details about us. It's as the disciples and Jesus are going from one place to another, uh, they've just traveled north 25 miles from the Sea of Galilee to Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus has a similar moment with them. Jesus isn't asking them his favorite color or his favorite animal, though I will tell you I had some fun trying to imagine what those answers might be. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. It's kind of it's fun to imagine uh, those details of the human Jesus, right? But at their root, his questions have a similar origin. Do you know me? Do you see me? Do you understand me? He starts by asking them, who do people say the human one or the son of man is? This is the ninth time that Jesus has used that descriptive phrase in the Gospel of Matthew. And its origins trace back to a vision that Daniel received in a dream that is recorded in scripture in Daniel chapter 7. The prophet writes, As I continued to watch this night vision of mine, I suddenly saw one like a human being coming with the heavenly clouds. He came to the ancient one and was presented before him. Rule, glory, and kingship were given to him. All peoples, nations, and languages will serve him. His rule is an everlasting one. It will never pass away. His kingship is indestructible. Up until this moment in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has used this biblical phrase from Daniel, the human one or son of man, nine times. But the references always remain in the third person leaving distance between this image from Scripture and Jesus himself until this interaction between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus first asks, who do people say the human one is? And the disciples respond, some say John the Baptist, other Elijah's, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Jesus quickly follows with another question, where this time he refers to himself in the first person. And what about you? Who do you say that I am? We don't know the pacing on the initial conversation because we were not there. But scripture reads like Peter's response is swift and immediate. Jesus asked the question, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter responds with a bold proclamation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Confessing that Jesus, this man he has followed and whose ministry he has been a part of for some time by now, that Jesus is the Messiah, the one about whom Daniel prophesied. The disciples get it wrong so much of the time, so you have to love it when they finally get it right. There is no missing the mark here for Peter. 
He nails his response to Jesus' question, and Jesus lets him know it, naming that Peter is happy, blessed, because God has revealed this to him. Jesus tells this one named Simon, who he calls Peter, Petros in the Greek, meaning rock, that he is the rock upon which Jesus would build his church. Yet as we are getting closer to Holy Week, as we prepare to remember Jesus' last days and the drama that unfolded in his passion, we hold another story of Peter in our collective memory that is a potent parallel to this one. Here, Jesus asked the disciples, but you, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds with boldness and conviction. After Jesus' arrest, as Peter sneaks into Jerusalem to see what is happening to him, he will end up denying his connection to Jesus not once, but three times. When the going gets tough, when there is very real and present danger to fear, when his allegiance to Jesus will cost him something, Peter's faithfulness falters. He publicly denies Jesus twice, and when he is pressed a third time, he says with equal intensity to his faithful confession, but altogether different emotion, I don't even know the man. The juxtaposition between those two proclamations from you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, to I don't even know this man. The juxtaposition is stark. How easy it is to confess one thing on Sunday morning, but to then falter when it is actually time for the rubber to meet the road. When it comes time to actually live our lives out of that confession how often do we fail to nail following Jesus, but instead miss the mark? How often do we look at where Jesus is leading us and prefer instead to stay right where we are or even hightail it in the other direction? As Jesus' question echoes in our hearts and our souls this day, but you, who do you say that I am? Looking at our lives, how do they speak of this one we proclaim is the Christ, the Son of the living God? How are our daily decisions, the ways we spend our time, what we care about, the ways we use our resources, the things we think about, the words we say, the ways we treat ourselves and our neighbor? What do our lives say about just who Jesus is to us. Jesus asked that question of his first disciples, the ones who would welcome in and lead the first followers of Jesus, the ones who would first bird the church. And so it's a question not just for us as individuals. It's a question for us as Christ's body. It's a question for the church. But you, who do you say that I am. I recently received a letter that shared the story of Spring Creek Church in Garland, Texas. Some time ago, they had what I call a come to Jesus moment. Do y'all know what I mean when I say a come to Jesus moment? So when something happens in our lives that wakes us up to how far off track we have gotten, 
Last week, Rhonda shared a come-to-Jesus moment that Tony Campolo offered in worship for his listeners, right? That's a come-to-Jesus moment, if you were here for that. For Spring Creek Church and their pastor, Keith Stewart, their come-to-Jesus moment began with Pastor Stewart's encounter with an orphan of the AIDS epidemic in Africa who had taken another orphan under his wing, sharing of his meager resources as he welcomed him into his cell phone charging and accessory business he ran out of a shack located in the town's trash dump. Stuart writes of the impact that encounter had upon him. The moment Oliver introduced me to his apprentice, I had the devastating realization of who was rich and who was poor. In this slum, surrounded by a kind of poverty I'd only heard about and never seen, there was a poverty in me that was even greater than that around me. It dawned on me as I stood in the dirt by this tiny shack that if I had grown up without a mom and dad, eked out an existence on the town garbage dump, charging people's phones for a living, and was surrounded by the sea of desperate human need, I would have never dreamed of sharing what little I had with anybody else. Oliver was rich in ways in which I was desperately poor. This kid was rich in compassion, caring, generosity, and love. All I had was money. With their big buildings, their focus on growing their numbers and filling their impressive weekend services that All served, as Stuart himself put it, to endlessly cater to our own wants and desires. There was this clarity for Stuart that the way he and his community were answering that question of Jesus, but you, who do you say that I am, was actually denying so much of who Jesus was and why he came. So after his return from Africa, the Garland, Texas church took out a full-page ad in the Dallas Morning News that had three words in huge, bold font across its center. We were wrong, period. Then at the bottom of the ad, they followed up their confession with these words. We followed trends when we should have followed Jesus. We told others how to live, but we did not listen ourselves. We live in a land of plenty, denying ourselves nothing while ignoring our neighbors who actually have nothing. We sat on the sidelines while AIDS ravaged Africa. We were wrong. We're sorry. Please forgive us. They apologized to their community, confessing that they had lost their way and in the process had failed them. Peter's come to Jesus moment was after that last denial when he had realized what he had done. Scripture tells us that he went out and wept uncontrollably. Y'all come to Jesus moments 
come to Jesus moments are not meant to be wasted. They are filled with purpose. It reminds me a bit of the advice my dad would always give me when I was struggling because a particular basketball coach was getting after me. He would tell me that when they stopped yelling at me, that's when I should be worried. Because then they would have given up on me getting any better. If they were coaching me, it meant they saw the potential I had. That they had plans for me as part of the team. Come to Jesus moments don't always look like a coach screaming at you from the sidelines. Though sometimes they do. But they happen because we belong to a God who does not give up on us. Amen. We belong to a God who always has plans for us as part of the team. Amen. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter how much our lives deny the truth of who Jesus is, our God will return to us again and again. It was true for Spring Creek Church, whose life and witness were transformed by their own come-to-Jesus moment. And it was also true for Peter. In our scripture text, we will spend time with on Easter. We will hear the angels tell the women at the tomb to run and tell the disciples the good news, that Jesus has risen. But in the midst of that telling, they say, but especially Peter, especially let Peter know that Jesus has risen. It is that same Peter that weeks later would receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and be moved out onto the streets to proclaim once again just who Jesus was. At the end of his sermon to the people that day, he said these words in Acts 2.36, Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Some 3,000 people joined the community that day, and the church was born. Upon the rock of one who had once denied Jesus, the church came to life. It's a come to Jesus question, and it's an important one to ask ourselves not just once, but over and over again as we live this life. For it helps us consider our faithfulness to the one who is our Lord, who is our Christ. But you, who do you say that I am? You, who do you say that I am? Amen.